Great things come in small packages. In other words, it doesn't have to be big to be mighty. It doesn't have to be big to be mighty. If, I'll tell you this, I wouldn't want anything to do with it. Thank you, guys. I wouldn't want anything to do with it. But if there was a small vial of nitroglycerin, I would stay more than 10 paces away from that baby. I, if you said you had it, I'm going the opposite way. Why? Because if it's mishandled in any way, or if it drops one vial so small of nitroglycerin dropped in this room, there wouldn't be a Faith Builders Church anymore. There might not even be a city block anymore. All the way to the airport and beyond would be nothing but a big hole. Something so small. You can take an atom. Has everybody, anybody seen an atom? I'm talking about without a microscope. Have you ever seen it? No. Have you seen one with a microscope before an atom? I haven't. I've never seen one. With, I, I, I've seen like on television, but I've never actually viewed one. But you can take an atom so small that the naked eye cannot perceive that it's there. They're in the room right now. And you can take it and you can split that thing and put it inside of a metal tube and drop it over a nation and take out whole cities with just a few split atoms. Something so small can become so big. I'm going to go slow in Jesus' name. And if I go over my time, you're free to leave and have your chicken or whatever else you want to eat, praise God. But I'm going to preach this word today. I'm going I'm I'm to get out of me what I got to get out of me. You're here right now. Right now. A full-grown human being with the ability to think and to perform and to create and to do and to change atmospheres and environments because of a little thing, a little swimmer, the little swimmer that could, that swam up mom's fallopian tube and beat three, three to four million other great swimmers just like you but you happen to be the greatest swimmer of them all. So you were already born a winner. You might have got here and struggled, praise God, but you were the winner, praise God. It's, in our, it's, in our, it's a part of who we are, competition. And so, and, so, and, and that, that, that egg was fertilized and a human life, man, came out of something so small that you would have to get a microscope just to see its beginnings. That's powerful when you think about it. I want to make this statement. Effectiveness isn't hinged on how big your talent is. You don't believe me? Ask the Kardashians. Oh, y'all don't want to talk about that today, y'all. I know you Jersey Shore watchers and Kardashian people. I can see it, praise God. Abraham Lincoln was another one, a nobody. Lost, 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 failure, 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 and everything he did, and, but he became, he didn't quit, and became the United States of America's president, one of the greatest presidents ever lived, emancipation. I mean, this is an amazing man, right? Out of something so small that everybody else would have kicked to the side. I want to say something. If there were no Bibles... And they all were burned. God forbid. 
And all the preachers of the world decided to retire. And nobody preached anymore. The gospel would still be preached around the world. Do you know how? It would be preached through nature itself. A tree. You ever see a tree? He worships God. David kept his father's sheep. Didn't know how powerful he'd be one day that he was actually being prepared to become not a shepherd of a few sheep, but the shepherd of Israel. But he had to find the shepherd. He had to find the shepherd in God before he'd become a great shepherd himself. So every time he went to take care of his sheep, he saw God as a shepherd. And he penned those words, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not. Nobody taught him that. Nature itself taught him that. Are y'all flowing me so far? Ezekiel felt the power of the wind and said, look, God speaks like a whirlwind. Elijah saw the fire, and it's been said that our God is an all-consuming fire. John the Revelator looked up at the cosmos one day as a receiving revelation of Jesus, and he saw Jesus, but not in a natural form, but he called him the bright and morning star. Solomon looked across the valley a mountain valley, beautiful flowing valleys that he owned many of them. And he's looking for the Lord that day. And he sees the Lord, not in a physical form, but he says, he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. Isaiah rested at a rock. At the end of that night, he called God the rock of ages and the rock of my salvation. Job 12 Verse 7 says, but now ask the beast. Talk to them, they'll teach you. And the birds of the air, and they'll teach you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? There are no excuses for not knowing who God is if you're sensitive and want to know. Our New Testament Paul writes to the Roman church, Romans chapter 1 declares that if you never heard a preacher again the rest of your life, there is still no excuses for you because even nature and the cosmos, the stars themselves, shout that there is a God. And if you won't shout, he said the rocks will cry out in your place. I'm not looking for a rock concert to cry out for Jeff Pruitt. I think we got some people in this room today ready to give God a shout just because he's worthy. Woo, Jesus. Ain't gonna let a rock or nature or bird or star I was driving this morning, and I'm in prayer, and I'm driving, and I go down by the beach, and I see a man doing this. I don't know what he's doing, but he, I think it's that gee, whatever that stuff is. So it looks cool. But he's doing like this to the sun. I go look at that man. He's worshiping the sun. I don't worship the sun. I worship the creator of the sun. And I thank him for the beauty of the sun. 
I don't tell the son how beautiful it is. I tell the father how beautiful is your handiwork. I'm not looking for more dead men's religion. I'm looking for a deeper relationship and understanding of who God is. Come on. Why do we praise him? Because he's awesome. We are all struck by him. We are all inspired by him. He poof, he blows our minds. He's so awesome. He's hard to explain to somebody else. It's hard for me to tell people about who God is. That's why it's better for us to live it before we tell it, but we need to do both. Because it's by faith. But, but it's hard to explain. You can't draw him. You, you, you can't measure him. You can't put a date on him. You can't put him in a box and you can't pin him down. We're just simply in awe of who he is. And when I think of him and I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to dance. It makes me want to clap. It makes me want to spin. Come on, when I think about his goodness. Why? He's awesome, dude. We overuse and overplay the word, but it's powerful. The Bible says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God's trying to communicate to you and me. I want ears, guys. I want ears to hear. I don't want to pick up everything that's out. That's out. I don't want my ears always tuned into what's out there. I want my ears tuned into what God's saying. It's another frequency. It's another way of living. And we can live much higher if we'll go smaller. But what if... Because I believe it's altogether possible that God has been speaking, but we don't always have an ear to hear what he's trying to tell us. Could it be that because he didn't speak in the way that we thought that he would, that he may be showing up in another form and we won't give it an opportunity. We won't give it a chance. We thought it'd come through the earthquake. We thought it'd come through the fire. We thought it'd be in the whirlwind, and he did not speak. We thought we went go all travel all over the country trying to find the biggest and baddest prophets and get here in church on time so he could call us out, sit real close to the front so we could get a word, calls 10 people up. I'm in line, come on, and goes boom, 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 skips me and goes to somebody else, and the word was not in his mouth from me. Then what? I said, then what? Why am I seeking somebody else to tell me what God himself can tell me? And he will tell us. He's talking, but you've got to have an ear to hear what he's saying. And when that happens, many times he shows up in a form you're not expecting because you're thinking. Your thinking is it's got to be in the big deal. And then God brings a little child to you and says two words to you and looks you dead in your eyes. And it's like Jesus looking at you. You did it like a double take. And you're looking at him going, my God, that was the voice of God for me. I'm preaching better than y'all want to shout. I could tell on myself. I was watching the commercial one time. My daughter was little. And we're watching this commercial. We're in a little show. And we always in our house, if it was a bad commercial, you know, we turned it off or we turned the channel. 
and into a channel. And it was a bikini thing. And I look at this thing, and I was just trying to get the advertisement, guys. That's all I cared about was the advertisement. And I got stuck for a second. I was like, huh. And then uh, my daughter walks right. I mean, I'm not kidding you. She looks, gets on a chair. And walks on. She looks me dead in my eyes like this. She goes, Dad, we don't watch this kind of commercial, do we? She's this big. I said, no, baby, we don't. And I turned it off. Praise God. And I felt the power of God hit me like, boy, I'm watching you, Jeff. I'm, I felt the Lord say, I'm watching you, boy. God can speak out of the mouths of babes comes perfected praise. He'll use somebody so you wouldn't think he'll use a sinner if he's got to, to get you what he wants to get you. But let me just tell you something. He won't, might not do it in the most religious way, but our God will make it happen. If you have an ear to hear, you can hear his voice. Are you ready for God to speak to you in a different way? I studied this for this, and I, I thought this was pretty awesome. There is something called the five big game. The five big game. Or the big five. And it's for hunters. And I'm not a hunter, so I had to go look into this. Especially in the jungles. And there are five of these beasts that they call the big five that are very, very difficult to be able to trap or to be able to hunt. The first one is the lion. The second one is the leopard. The third one is the rhino. The fourth one is the elephant. And the fifth one is called the Cape Buffalo. The lion is known for its fierceness. A lion has massive jaws and teeth. They weigh 500 pounds. They are unbelievably uh, scary animals. How do you know? I've been close to one. When a lion looks at you, he doesn't look at you. He looks through you. You are a pork chop. I ain't kidding you. We had the pleasure of having some guys with lion, lion taming guys, and they were at our church years ago. And they, my wife, my wife's got a picture of this, and she, they asked me to if I'd help them. They were guys short to push this lion. This lion stood six feet tall on all four paws, nine feet plus from nose to tail, five hundred plus pounds, massive beast. And I got his head, and I got to push him up this ramp. I don't have a lot of dexterity in my fingers. If you, I don't really pull. I can't pull back like some of y'all can do. I can't do that. But that day, you never seen anybody do this before in your life. I'm so far away from that cage. My my legs and butts way back here. My hands are on the cage, and my fingers are literally bent backwards because I'm afraid to death that thing's going to grab my finger and pull me right with my finger, throw me right through the cage and eat me alive. Praise God. Because I'm telling you, they don't look at you. They look through you when they roar. You can hear their mighty roar for five miles. And everything goes. Everything stops in the jungle world. Everything. He is the king of the jungle. You have the leopard. The leopard is known for its speed, its fast, its agility. Hard to catch a leopard. And if a leopard ever decides it's going to nail you, you can't run fast enough. You cannot get away from it. I'll just climb that tree. Don't go for it. Climb the tree. Guess what? He can climb the tree better than you. He can hang on one claw, 25 feet in the air, one claw, and hold his 250-pound body. One claw. 
He'll gulp you down. Lion. You got the leopard. These are animals that are, one's fierce, the other has speed and agility. The rhino is aggressive. He's known, if you mess with him, you get in his territory, he's territorial. He takes that horn on the end of his nose and he rams you with it and takes you out with ease. An elephant, sheer size and power. The Cape Buffalo has a hide so tough, you can't just take it out with a bow and arrow. You have to have a special gun just to get through its hide. Animals try to bite it. They survive because they're so tough in their bodies. You would think that if God wanted to reveal who he is to us, that he'd use one of these big five to do it in nature. The speed of a leopard. When he answers our prayer, I will go with great speed like a leopard. I'm making this up now. Or the power of an elephant, so powerful, nothing can mess with me, and I've got feet so big, and I'll stomp on your enemies. Or the fierce lion, one growl, one roar, and your enemies will send flying everywhere. The strength or the aggressiveness of a rhino, the devil can't attack you. Attack you If he gets within my territory, I'll take him out. The toughness of a bull, God, buffalo, God is so tough. He can withstand so much more pressure than we can. But when God wants to communicate with us, instead of using the big five, in Proverbs, he uses the little four. And one of them is called an ant. Let me make this statement. God doesn't have to use what you think he should use to impress anybody. Well, I hope you got that this morning. I said, God doesn't have to use what you think he should use to impress anybody. God, at the turn of the century, used a blinded-eyed black man by the name of Will, William Seymour, who had no education, came out of poverty, didn't know nobody. But God called him in the city of Los Angeles and said, you're going to be an evangelist. Had nobody to tell him but God. So all he had was a tattered old book called the Bible under his one arm, and all he had was the ability to go and talk to people and he began to do it. Next thing you know he goes to a prayer meeting on La Brea Street gets to a prayer meeting. There's a bunch of women there. When he gets there he said let's all pray together. They begin to pray. He begins to teach them the word of God. This is at the turn of the century. Next thing you know the Bible, the Bible says the next thing you know the historians will tell you that they'll say that all of a sudden out of nowhere they begin to claim that the Holy Spirit was for today and that they could see signs and wonders and miracles and they said we're going to tarry like the old folks used to tarry and we're going to wait till the Holy Ghost shows and so day after day after day they waited in the presence of God then one day the Holy Ghost showed up on La Brea Street in Los Angeles, California and the Spirit of God nails the whole Bible study about 45 or 50 get filled with the Holy Ghost power of God's moving they're seeing people be healed they said we can't keep it at the house so they go and rent another space it's an old feed store ain't got no carpet ain't got no concrete ain't got no lights only lanterns ain't a special place smells like dung smells like animals got a dirt floor got makeshift benches they put together with boards to make them call pews and he had two soap box or two crates he put together for his pulpit 
Many times he put his head in that pulpit and didn't know how to say a word. He'd say one word, put his head in the pulpit, begin to pray, and the power of God would show up. And they came from all over the world to get in the presence of God. And signs and wonders and miracles and people getting healed and set free and delivered. They were on boats around the world to come and see this. So much so that many times the fire department would be, put, would be called out. And they said, we don't know what's going on, but there's a fire on top of the roof. But it won't, keep, won't burn the place down. But there's a literal fire on top of the roof. And the, the firemen got there. They'd see it, but it was not a real fire. It was a supernatural fire called the fire of the Holy Ghost. God will use a man just the way he is. You don't have to have it all together if you just say, yes, Lord. Here am I. Use me. A woman by the name of Amy Simple McPherson. The 1920s. Man, God showed up. Black man. Barely out of slavery in this country. And now he's leading a movement that's worldwide. And a woman. A woman was right there alongside a slave. That's the way they viewed people back in those days. Couldn't vote. Better stay in the kitchen and have babies. That's what you're supposed to do. And my God, God says, you're going to pastor a church. There's no such thing as a woman pastor. But in Los Angeles, she was a part of that Azusa Street Revival. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. And when she heard God, she said, nothing's going to stop me now. And she went out and started doing it and pursuing it. And she built in the middle of the depression. I need you to get this today. We got a $1 million note. We can't take care of this. No, come on. We ain't got faith. That's our problem. This church, they, she built a 5,000 seat auditorium in the middle of the depression, in the middle of L.A., y'all. And she built the first, the first Christian radio station in America. In the 20s, a woman. He'll use the least likely to do the business of the Almighty. Touch your neighbor and say, you better treat me right. You don't know who you're sitting next to. Come on. Tell your other neighbor, give me a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. I'm a, I'm a, I got business with God. I may look like, you better take, get, your, get your phone out and take a picture because I ain't going to look like this 10 years from now. I'm going places. And you're going to be able to say... I remember when Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. See, man is always trying to go up. God is always trying to go down. Man tried to build a tower to heaven, remember? God brought a strong tower from heaven, and his name is Jesus. When men, men want to get promoted, they exalt themselves. When God says the way up is first the way down. If you want to be exalted in due season, you first must humble yourself. If you want to go big, you got to go small. If you want to go big, you got to go small. You got to deal with the small things in your life be before they become big deals in your life. And church, it's the small things that really matter the most. And until you deal with the small things... The big things will be discredited and taken from us. That's why, I don't even think I did a good job preaching this in the first service, this part. I might have missed this. But that's why 
The king that was traveling said, to you I give five, to another servant two, to another one. When I come back, I want to see what's, done, what's been done. Comes back, the one that had five returned ten to him. One that had two returned four to him. And the one that had one said, I got your, your gift. What'd you do with it? Where is it? Well, I gave you, I, yeah, I, did, I gave you one though. He said, yeah, but I knew you to be an austere man. I knew that you were a strong businessman and I didn't want to lose the money. I didn't want to lose the talent. So I went and I hid it. I buried it. He said, you did what? I buried it. And here it is for you. He said, you wicked and lazy person. He calls the man wicked and lazy. Why? He had no faith. I am convinced that God is more into the fact that if you went and tried your best and lost it all, that you still are going to be just fine with him. But when you take it out of fear and you're afraid of what you have so small and so insignificant that I don't want to squander it because that's all I've got and you never do anything with it, you never invest your life, then you can never see the greatness. And if you don't do that, what you have will be taken from you. He said, take from him what is his and give it to the man who has 10. That's your lowly Jesus that said that. Amen. You want to preach his gospel to the world, but don't want to pick up his cross in the closet. You want to have fame and fortune, but don't want to grab a towel and wash the feet of others. And Jesus said, if you would be great, learn to serve. It's getting small. It's the small things. Before I got a microphone, I had a towel. You want to counsel those in need, those that need help, but don't want to receive any counsel from others to help you. It's the little things that add up to the big things in our life. Let me ask you a question. What's in the small? that will make you big? What's in your small that will make you big? I thought about this. I have so many different stories, but one that will stick, I know, is the story of Danny Gokey. And when he came to this church and he was a 19-year-old kid and he was in and out, just checking us out. We were in a school building at the time, didn't have much to offer. He had a few friends that went here and that's why he came. But then on the other side was getting some heat for coming. And because uh, we were called cult and all those kinds of things back in those days. They may still call us that. I don't even know anymore. I don't even care. That's not my job to care about that. So my job is to preach the gospel. That's what I'm going to do. And so, and, and so, you know, they, they try to discredit you. And so I didn't know that uh, he could even sing. Guys, I didn't know anything about the kid. He was a nice kid. That's all I knew. He had friends that were on the platform, but I didn't know he could sing. And so um, he was in turmoil saying, God, do I belong here? Do I belong here? Talk to me. And one day he said, Lord, show Pastor Pruitt. And if I'm supposed to be here, he'll walk up to me and he'll tell me. What he didn't know, I didn't know he prayed that, but what he didn't know was I told God when I started the church, I'll never, be careful when you say never with God. I will never, ever tell anybody in this church that they belong here. Because I don't want anybody to ever accuse me that I manipulated them. Because my heart was right. But you know, that's still pride. You still got to obey God. So I'll never tell somebody they belong here because I don't then say later that I manipulated them and that's the reason why they're there, so I will never do it. And I, I, that was a covenant I had. So we're talking. We, we, for the first time, he'd been coming for weeks. We run smack dab at each other in a little, the little foyer downstairs in this little um, uh, school building and start talking to the kid. And as he's talking, just telling me a story, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. And he says, tell him he belongs here. I said, because I said I wasn't going to do that. And I heard the Lord say again, 
tell him he belongs here. I'm thinking to myself, I'm not doing that. That can't be God because I, I always made up my mind. I'm not, they'll, they'll think it's manipulation. I'm not going to do it. Let them figure it out for themselves. They've got to be mature themselves. I heard the Lord again, tell them. And I'm, I'm, by this time, I'm getting upset. I actually want to get away from the conversation. But the fourth time, third or fourth time, the Spirit of God's all over me. I know it's God. I know it's the Lord. So I looked to him and I said, I got something to tell you. I said, I don't know what you've been thinking, but you belong here in this church. He starts crying. He says, oh, my God, I just asked God if I belonged here that you would tell me, you'd come and tell me. Now, church, let's go ahead and fast forward to the future. The man's had Grammys. The man sings all over the United States of America. The man's been all kinds of award ceremonies. Man's been on the biggest in the biggest arenas in America, on the biggest platforms and churches in America. The man sings number ones and number two, number five songs. Every album he does now just goes boom, 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 boom. The guy's got so much influence that the other day he shared my little four-minute video. He shared it on his thing. I got twenty-three thousand views on that sucker in twenty-four hours. That's influence. That's influence. Amen. And I got a whole bunch of new friends. Hallelujah. That loved it. And my point is, my point is, is that out of one little saying yes to the small, what was in the, what was the big that was in the small? There was something big God wanted to do in something so small. What is the small that can be extracted for your good? Zechariah said, do not despise the day of small things. I remember going to Steve Muncy's church when our church was about eight months old and we had 25 or 30 people going to the church and I'm almost done, but hear me out. And when I go to the church, I'm excited, I love Steve. He's like a muse to me. Uh, I, I get so much from him because I'm a creative guy. I like drama and I like the um, uh, productions and all that stuff. And so I'm excited. But now I get and watch this whole thing and I'm getting depressed. You know why I'm getting depressed? Because inside I go, I want to do this. I want to do this, but I can't do this. I don't have enough people to do this. I don't have money to do this. cars on the platform. I can't put cars on my platform, motorcycles. I can't put motorcycles in our, in our little school building. All the advertising. I can't. I kept saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. The Spirit of God spoke to me. And said, son, quit saying you can't. Just do what you can. That's so simple. And I started going, wait a second. If everybody, all 30 members, plus their brothers, sisters, and family, plus visitors that show up, anybody walking by in the street that we can grab, we can actually do this, I think. And so I went and shared it with the church, and we did it. We put on three performances, and then we had to extend it for three more performances, and over 150 people came to Jesus, and those two people that run our production right now came to that production, got saved in that production, and by the third, second cycle, they were working in the production and now run our production. Come on! Is that right, guys? Charlie Daniels over there, praise God. Charlie Daniels. Devil went down to Georgia. Hallelujah. <laughs> so now then something so small let me say it again you have to extract the good out of the small I had to extract the big out of my small I had to extract the ant out of can't Woo, geez. amen I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's God's word. 
You got to quit telling God what you, what you will and will not do. And just do what he says to do. Quit being so defiant. You've got to extract the ant out of defiant. Words have power. And by your words, you're justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. you got to watch the words that come out of your mouth, especially during a season of contradictions where everything looks like it's not going to come to pass. Watch the words that come out of your mouth. you got to extract the ant out of your rant. Now, real quick, and then you can go get the buffet line. Come on, someone say amen. Proverbs 6. Let me just switch gears here, and I'm almost done. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food, food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise to sleep? Out of your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little fold in the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. You ain't never going to get nothing done being lazy. I want to drive this home this morning. The ant doesn't wait for someone to get it done for them. The ant knows that if it's going to get done, he's got to do it. Amen. Well, I just, I, I, my God shall supply all my needs. I'm waiting for God to, I'm waiting for God to just come through. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, just like he did for that car. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, God gave me that car, preacher. Yeah, yeah. But he ain't going to wash it for you. He ain't going to get the McDonald's cups out of the back seat for you. He ain't going to, come on, y'all. Ain't going to change your oil for you. You got to take care of what God gives you. And if you don't, your knee will come up like a prowler, like with a gun to your head say, give me all you've got. Everybody say, it's time to get busy. Everybody say, I must be prepared. The ant prepares. The ant prepares for the dry times. It's not if or maybe dry times come. They come to everybody, and it's seasonal most times, and that's why he works his tail off because summer is coming when he cannot work. So he has to live on the supplies, and nobody tells him. He has no ruler, no captain, no overseer. He got nobody saying, do this, do that. You don't need God to come down and tell you what to do every single time. Y'all know what to do. Just do it, praise God. And when you do it, what happens? You are preparing yourself for the dry time. Now you've got stuff in store ready to go so that you won't have to go through a dry season in your life. Last verse, Proverbs 24, 30. I went by the field of the lazy man. And by the vineyard, the man devoid of understanding, and there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with needles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well, and I looked, and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. That's why when you see properties that become vacant and nobody's taking care of the properties anymore, it don't take but a few months. And that thing's overgrown. How in the world? They got, they got, they got weeds coming out of the blacktop. And, and strangling out the, anything that's there. Trees look terrible. Uh, the roof is caving in. The eaves troughs are falling down. Doors look like, like they need the 18 coats of paint. I mean, what? And all in just a few months' time. Why? Everything decays. If you don't manage your life, if you don't get busy in preparation, 
all of that garbage, the weeds, like the man who had devoid of understanding became lazy. He had the broken down wall. Everything was overgrown with needles, and now everything's 10 times harder to take care of. Why? Because he just didn't get up one every day and just take care of the issues that were going on. And they're not the big things. It's the little things. It's the little things. I'm not up here preaching to you because I was always about the big things. I was willing, not always liked it, but willing to deal with the little things so that big could be extracted out of what seems so small. 